Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And we have got a stuffed, stuffed panel on the show today. Special guest. Been trying to get him on the show for a while. I actually rescheduled him once. Uh, contributor to the chairshot.com. Our good friend also is made multiple appearances on various other podcasts. This is the first time he's jumping on the bandwagon. Welcome, Mr. Rob Bennett. Rob, how are you today? I'm doing good. What's happening, everybody? Did Hello, I mess Rob. up your last name, sir? I know that. You got close enough. <laughs> close enough. I Okay, I'll take that. I'm just going to call you Rob the rest of the show anyway, so it's fine. As usual, we are joined by our good friend, the lawyer, the man behind the recording, Mr. David Ungar. David, how are you doing today? Pretty well, Mr. O'Dowd. How is uh, things going on the East Coast? Things are good. Things are good. Uh, kicking the students out of the school uh, today is the, la the last time we're moving them out. So <laughs> I, I'm blessed I didn't have to work this today for recording day i had to work yesterday spent a whole saturday telling people to move without touching anything and don't cough on me and put your mask on and it was it was good times good times great time and we are also joined of course by our good friend mr raymond cash ray how you doing pal good morning uh good yes good morning because i just woke up um vacation life is fantastic and Shout out to us as a show having the two-person black people quota. Look at us. Wow. All we need is a woman regularly, and we've got the whole gamut covered. Too diverse, yeah. bro. Too diverse. Look, me and Ray either got to be a tag team, and we got to start feuding now. One of the two. But you know, I'm, I'm turning heel. This isn't WWE. This bandwagon nerds you guys can be whatever you want oh fair enough that's true that's true it's that last voice that you heard chiming in there that is the voice of the live studio audience himself mr pc tunny joining us again for some mandalorian talk tunny how are you today i am feeling fantastic good afternoon all four of you excellent excellent so like i said we got a loaded episode we're going to go back to kind of our more traditional format today with Rob as the guest, I let Rob pick our big topic for the post uh, post halftime show commercial break piece of the of the episode, and we're going to talk a lot of DC this afternoon. But before we get to that, of course, we're going to cover the Mandalorian episode twelve, halfway through the second season. Now, we're going to talk a lot of news, and I'm going to confess, guys, a couple of the news items that I put on here, I put on more to talk about people involved. Than the actual news item itself, and so a couple of a couple of icons in entertainment that I just thought it'd be kind of fun to wax poetic on when we get to that. We may move one of those into the to the second half of the show, depending on how things go with the topic, uh, because those topics can sometimes go rapid fire, and other times, uh, depending on what happens, say I say something controversial like Thanos is overrated, we could go a little bit longer than planned. And Ray's already shaking his head no. Thanos is overrated. Come on, man. Don't start with this early, bro. Uh, no, not too early. I've been up since 7. Eastern time. It's 2. I've had enough time to read three comics, watch The Mandalorian, and rewatch the University of Illinois versus Nebraska football game. I'm in, oh, I'm in a good mood. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
Caffeine's a wonderful thing, I guess, huh? No, alcohol is a wonderful thing. Remember, we get to about the one-third mark of the show. That's when the alcohol starts affecting Patrick, and he messes up, and then we start playing the bandwagon nerds drinking game. As it is, before we get into the show, it is my duty to tell you that you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds. We are part of the Chairshot Media Group, found on thechairshot.com. We record this on Sunday. This will drop on Monday. And with that, we're going to jump right into the Mandalorian episode 12 i loved this episode yeah oh, me too <laughs> go ahead it somebody my, else somebody else take the lead I, I, it was my least favorite episode of all the episodes get the hell out of town are you kidding me i didn't like it so <clears throat> spy on that base there and that's the one that implants the thing on the razor crest and that's how they're gonna find them i mean they, I totally thought that Baby Yoda was going to change possession, 100%. I was ready to come on here today and go, didn't I just ask that question last week? But it was another solid episode. I'm just saying that I've loved every episode. To me, it's tied with a few other episodes from season one that are not of my favorite. That's really all I have to say about it. You know I still you enjoyed know it. Tony, oh, God, Tony. shut up, Patrick. <laughs> like right there, you sound like Patrick O'Dowd. And you know it. That's why you said shut up <laughs> right there. Um, it's funny because here's here's why I like this episode. Because last week I, I waxed poetic and we went back and forth talking about how the Mandalorian with that sort of side quest of the week thing, in my opinion, was feeling very formulaic and not feeling very organic. And of the ones that they've done so far, this one made the most sense to me in the way that it was put together and actually led to a lot of revelations. Now, I think, Tony, I think your prediction's correct. I just think you're an episode, you were an episode early because I, I don't see the, I don't see Mando keeping the child. Like they're being tracked. He's going to get tracked down. I think that it makes a lot of sense that there's going to be a chase going on, but the impetus for him having to help, uh, Gina Carano and, uh, Carl Weathers, cause I'm not going to remember their names today drink made sense in the sense that he had to go and get his ship repaired he was there there was a pause wasn't anything sort of impeding him from like there was a reason that impeded him from staying that didn't make sense for him to help his friends out with trying to kind of wipe out the last little what they thought were the last remnants of the empire on their planet and so to me it made a lot of sense as dave is shaking his head no why, why are you shaking your head no, Dave? No, it made sense. I say in the last remnants of oh. the Empire, no. Uh-uh. Well, no, no, not at all. Not at all. But on that planet, on that system is is what they, that was the implications. This base, or what they thought was a base, was kind of it in them sort of helping restore some order in that system on the outer rim. Go ahead, Ray. You got thoughts? I mean, I, I, got, I got quite a few thoughts, but I want to hear yours. I do. Um, well, first of all, to, to the two points already given, it's interesting that this is the episode that Tony didn't like, and it's episode that this is the episode that Pat did like. That's that's right. very interesting to me. Um, yes, I know, and, and we, we've given you a bit of a hard time, a little grief, recently because of your side quest of the week um, take. And, and to be fair, you are spot on about your assessment. It's just the side quests always have been integral to the story, I thought. 
and this one was again extremely integral to the story. But I I I, I like seeing Mando with I remember Cara Doom's name. Hey, I'm doing better. I, I can't do. remember. Yeah. I don't remember Carl Weathers' name, but I know Cara Dune. I remember that. It's something with a G. I remember Carl Weathers' character. Is it Griff something or Griff? Right? Not Carga? Is it not Karga? Griff? That's ba- Back to the Future's Griff. No, it's oh, not him. Okay. Well, yeah. Creed or something. What is it? I think it's Krieg. Hold on. And yeah, I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, I, I like seeing those three together because while this is as much of a solo, um western series as as it is they are the closest you have to secondary castmates um so and they have such great chemistry all three of them together um so it's always fun to see them it's fun to see them especially um carano and weathers in a different light because every time you saw them before they were always kind of kind of on the defense on the defense and they were kind of and, you know, uh, Carl Weathers was always cricket at, for, for the majority of the first part. And now they're kind of the heroes of their of their planet. And you see them on the offense for once. Um, I, I like that uh, Mando finally realizes that the situation is a lot bigger than he anticipated. Um, I like that we get to see the child be a child and not be a dick. That helped me. <laughs> him having fun on the ship like throwing his arms up like that he was, was on cute. a roller coaster yeah. during the I, the little O'Dowd and I were watching that together and you can't help it when kids do things like he started throwing his hands up too and so we were we were all in on that that was adorable one more last point I asked a question a couple weeks ago do we do we think that the child understands Mando we got our answer this week he does he understands English because how? Why else would he have him go in a little bitty hole to try to fix the chords? You know. Now maybe he don't know his red and his blue, but he understands them. So there you I, go. when he did that, I it, it was like Baby Groot. That scene with Rocket and Baby Groot from Guardian. It was the exact. I mean, it was perfect. For <clears throat> for ten bandwagon nerds bonus points, where the points don't matter whatsoever. Does anybody know what type of cookie? He stole from that young gentleman in class. A blue Oreo, baby. Duh. Oh. No, a macaroon. Duh. It was macaroon. <laughs> Ten points to Ray. You redeem that at the Bandwagon Nerds gift shop second Tuesday of every week. Oh, right. I'll it's, be there. It's at Galaxy's Edge and Star Wars, which will never reopen. But hey, Ray, if it does, you're there, man. 2027. Hashtag 2027. It's coming back. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So here was here. There were a couple of things that happened out of this episode, and I'll, oh no, go Dave. Actually, you go ahead. You give your assessment before well, before I do my downers. I mean, I want to kind of get your guys' take on this because wasn't it last week when they made the announcement they're going after Ahsoka Tano, and we were talking our deep dive of Star Wars, and I floated out there the concept that maybe they were going to try to tie this in to the sequel trilogy, and I think, and I didn't really notice it, but my nephew kind of came out and after he watched, he says says, aren't you going to tell me that, you know, I told you so. I said, what are you talking about? So here's the thing is it sure looks like some of the cloning technology from Rise of Skywalker may have been at this base and they may have used the yeah. child's blood or DNA to further that technology. And those things in the tank that they saw did, I guess when I watched it back, kind of have a Snokish sort of appearance to them. So yeah. I'm wondering... 
are they actually going in this direction, Pat, to tie Mandalorian into the sequel trilogy? Because I think it, they might have taken a big step in that direction with this episode. Maybe. Spoken like, I'll like be a not... true diplomat. Perfect. Well, and, and I'll explain why. Because I actually, one of my complaints about this episode was this is the first time where I had to go back and do a little bit of research as to why everybody was flipping out about the reveal at the end. And if you remember, one of my big complaints about this other trilogy, and this is what, it'll annoy me. I'll get it, but it'll annoy me if this is kind of a, oh, look, this is the precursor to what brought Palpatine back. Because for me, it's retconning terrible storytelling from The Rise of Skywalker. And as we all know, uh, fuck The Rise of Skywalker. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. Ray, you want to jump in there now? Nope. I, I'm, I'm tired, bro. I'm tired. I'm, t- I'm tired of both. I'm tired. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be a, like a direct connection. I do think it's just kind of, I think it's just something they threw it in there to get us thinking. But I don't think they're going to flesh out a full-blown connection to the sequel trilogy like that. Right. What I what I did do is, and I, and I lost it because I closed the tab by accident, so I apologize. And I don't want to click too much because my mic has been picking up all my noise lately. The big reveal at the end, when we see the chambers light up and there's all these black suits... It's interesting the different imagery that was connected because the little O'Dowd was like, that's a lot of Darth Vader's. And just because of how it looked with all the like, I don't think it's that. Uh, What I've seen show up is that these may be dark troopers that made their appearance in a 1995 Star Wars video game that, and and I'm gonna like I'm gonna take a moment to go back and look, but that it might be something that's being pulled out of that uh, that universe and made canon. And it's like a weird hybrid force using stormtrooper that was part of that game. And the and the setting of the game took place after Jedi. I think they're called death, they're called death troopers, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh. I, I love the way you guys give me knowledge on actual things because I didn't even take it that serious. I just took it as they have upgraded to Stormtrooper like on Power Rangers when the putty's got the big P on the chest. Sometimes you just upgrade because the Stormtroopers are like incompetent as hell. So you yeah. need something new. Right. They're called Death Troopers, Dave. You were right. I mean, Tony's got the Phase 3 Dark Trooper. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if the two words are interchangeable or what, but I've I've heard them called both. Um, I don't know if they came from like, you know, Jedi Onslaught or one of those games that were real popular back there in the late 90s because uh, Star Wars had a bunch of them, maybe. But it's certainly maybe maybe. And, and the thing I like about this episode is uh, they kept all the tropey stuff about the stormtroopers going. They can't hit the side of a barn to save their ass. The TIE fighters are pathetic yeah. compared to anything. You know, the Razor's Crest, which has what? One twentieth the mobility of an X-Wing. Or a TIE fighter takes out all of this stuff. So, yeah, I think Death Trooper, that looks more like what they were, PC. And you want to talk about something in imagery that connects to the the future, uh, to the sequel trilogies. If I recall in the first episode, there's stormtroopers that kind of look like that. Like the First Order stormtroopers? Yeah, but not like the First Order, like like ones in black. black. Hmm. So... I don't know. I don't know. 
What I will say, the other thing that upset me. There is there is an echo coming from somewhere, but I can hear it too. Anyway, so the one thing that upset me was we brought back Metaclorians. Oh, the M count. It's totally Metaclorians. Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> no, we're thumbing up that that the echo went away. Oh, is that what that was? Because yeah. Ray said Ray said thumbs up right after I was like, Metaclorians are back. And no, the thing that made the Force awesome, in my opinion, was that it was a mystical interconnection between all living things. And we had to take a fucking stupid ass science project in the prequels because George Lucas is a dummy. And I hated it. And so now, here we are, back to Metaclorians. So I got a question for y'all. Okay. Because I, I'm I'm, I, I don't know what a Metaclorian is, but I'm going to pretend like I know one. Um, oh. Do you think there is anything to the to the very soon future of the show and the and where the show goes, the direction of the show, with the... Um, New Republic guy speaking to Cara Dune at the end about trying to recruit her. Um, I don't think they didn't put in there for nothing. I mean, exactly, and that was a very long conversation. It wasn't like, like, hey, such so no. It was a, a very long and pointed conversation. And even more, it was all directed about Alderaan. And this is after Alderaan's been blown mm-hmm. to shit. And and I, I you know when Cara Dune says you know did you lose anybody and I knew what she was going to say when she stopped and thought as she lost everyone and that's exactly what she said so there's going to be motivation on her part to you know rid the world of the this this and you know the the empire which destroyed her home planet and destroyed everybody she knew and loved so yeah I I don't know Ray I mean maybe she gets involved in that thing I mean there's. This thing is, there's so much potential. I know what Pat's saying is true. You know, you don't want to retcon and shoehorn in. Here's how we're going to explain the Empire coming back. But there, you can see so many different places where this one series can lead to like five or six other ones. And they keep dropping sort of like, you know, like what is he? It's a symbol. This What he gives her at the end, the medal. Is that the symbol of Alderaan? Huh? No, it's the it's the rebellion insignia yes. on basically a sheriff's badge. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you bring up a great point, Dave, because as much as we talked about last week, where Disney Plus wants to use this to stretch out as many independent stories as possible, especially since the director Favreau has proven to be a really good short storyteller. So, have a saga of of Star Wars movies that are built around debuting and cameoing on the Mandalorian. Like what if that's kind of the, the secret thing is like they, they're connected to the new, the new series of where they're going to go with the time frame of, of the star Wars, uh, as far as cinematically. Right. And, and they may want to use Disney plus as a platform to like, to build and develop characters that they're eventually going to inject into whatever the next, whatever the next trilogy is and, and use that as a way of, Hey, we're going to introduce characters through here and then we're going to have them run all these storylines and they're going to intersect in this trilogy. And one last thing, shout out to Carl Weathers for this episode because he directed this episode and did a mm-hmm. hell of a job with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping they do. I, I haven't watched the 
documentary they do a documentary series about like the makings of the Mandalorian show. I know they did a first season. I'm not sure if they've updated a second season yet, but they had all the directors from the first season in one episode where they did a round table and it's, and then they spotlighted each one. And I hope they do that again uh, for the ones who didn't do an episode in season one. Cause like Bryce Dallas Howard did one in the first season and has come back to do another one this season. People loved it. That was, that was episode 11, the one we just watched. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was a terrific episode. The last thing I'm going to say about this episode that I love before I get to kind of one other topic that's been floating around since this episode aired. This episode, and Dave, maybe you can back me up a little bit on this one. You you all remember when we talked about Star Wars and our favorite of the trilogies and how Dave and I talked about original trilogies. The feel of this episode was very original trilogy, shout out, nods, all the way through from the structure of the base that they're running through the basic tenant. Dave, you talked about them holding true to the stormtrooper ethos. Uh, the stormtroopers couldn't hit anything still to the speeder bikes making a comeback in this episode from return of the Jedi. It was very much to me, a calling to that original trilogy. And much like why I love rogue one so much, I think that's part of the reason that I really enjoyed this episode is because again, I felt like it was a nice throwback, but not done in such a way, not done in the JJ Abrams, like, Hey, look, I'm one of you guys. I know what you watch too. It was just sort of a natural progression of what is like, this is shortly after the empire has fallen. So it would make a lot of sense that the look and the feel of things that were going on with former Imperials would still have this old aesthetic. And so loved that part of the episode. Yeah, I mean the part where he disables the uh the or activates the lava flow. I mean that was straight from the Death Star. That's the, he's just he's Obi Wan, you know, without of course Obi Wan's skill, uh, and and he's a coward. But at the same time, I mean that's that's him standing. That's Obi Wan. It's the same walkway. It's the same kind of um control panel. So yeah, it, there was a lot of powerful imagery in this episode that that harkened back to the original trilogy and tied in and got it like you like you're saying pat like just say oh yeah that when those bikes showed up you know from from return of the jedi my wife's watching it she goes those bikes still can't maneuver for shit and i'm like yeah that's true i did i love it they they all go chase after it like two of them immediately crash into each other it was hilarious right well when when they have the budget meeting they're not putting the budget in stormtrooper training and bikes they're putting it in them big ass death stars that's where the budget goes yeah and uh (laughs) yeah the big death stars that they can't seem to protect <laughs> from a bunch of little getting blown up every three every movies, time. Yeah. Like you guys think you'd fix this shit at some point. Rob, you had something. Go ahead, man. Oh, um, well, because obviously the Empire budget is all going towards Star Destroyers and Death Stars and whatever little side project Palpatine has going on. They don't bother to train anybody, <laughs> all of the troopers. Apparently, it went to planet-killing spaceships secretly hidden away on a planet nobody fucking knew about, but everybody. There we go. There we go. Anyway. There we, go. <laughs> we almost made it 30 <laughs> minutes, Ray. I'm we, saying, we like, our, add that to the list of stuff you have to drink, too. <laughs> we, we got our first look. Also, speaking of uh, speaking of Imperial budget line items, we got our first look at uh, Moff Gideon's ship, uh, which is pretty cool. A nice little throwback to those Star Destroyers, the Imperial Star Destroyers. I thought that was really dope. But I wanted to wrap this up 
to talk a little bit about what I think is a non-controversy, but apparently is enough of a controversy that it made some buzz and some news. And if you all recall, when we talked Star Wars last week. We talked about how Star Wars fans on social media in particular are kind of some of the worst fans out there. And there, yeah. shortly after this episode dropped on Friday, there suddenly became a push from fans to fire Gina Carano from the show because of her political leanings oh, okay. statements in regards to wearing masks and things like that during the pandemic. And I just, I struggle with this because a person's political affiliations and their influences as a celebrity, or whatever, should that have any place in the realm of their ability to get work or to be cast oh. in a movie or a show? Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, well, from, for me, you can't fire everybody. Uh, and no, look, if, would I rather not, you know, have, you know, MAGA folks around me at work? Yes. Okay. I would rather not be around any. All right. And, and that's because, you know, I just, I mean, a few conversations I've had about this with people, um, this is above and beyond, you know, your kind of what used to be kind of Democrat, Republican kind of back and forth where, you, you know, you could have friends who were in a different political party and maybe you guys argued a little bit, but it was no big deal in the long run. Um, you know, life under Trump is a whole different thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just when somebody jumps out there and basically declares themselves as being MAGA, it kind of, it causes a lot of feelings in people. But, I mean, if there, look, if there were 10 MAGA people in the whole country, then they'd be different. But there are, like, millions of them, so you can't fire everybody just because that's how they're going. So, I mean, if, if she gets along with her co-workers and it appears that they do, then, I mean, I mean, unless she just comes out and starts being like racist or something or homophobic, just blatantly, and right, and unless she starts doing that kind of thing, then, I mean, again, you can't you can't fire everybody. Yeah. So you you hit on you hit on the point I want to make. First and foremost, ultimately, because we are a free country, all that should matter. And all that ends up mattering is can you do the job? Number one. But I think there the I think the line is at if your rhetoric or your opinion is dangerous to other people. So if you are openly racist, yes, I think there's a problem because that can be dangerous to the people around you. If you are openly homophobic, openly transphobic, openly to the point where your rhetoric and what you say and do can endanger other people because of who you are, then I think that's where the line crosses. But John Voigt has, he has, he gets work all the time. James Woods has work all the time. And regardless of how you feel about them personally, they're fantastic actors. I know there's many more of that off the top of my head. And that group would say the same of us, right? So I think as long as she can do her job effectively, we all, we all got crazy opinions. And there, there is, as what we just learned, there are 70 plus million people 
minimum that thinks what all five of us thinks is bullshit. Not only bullshit, but dangerous. Right? So right. that we've lost we've lost that ability to meet in the middle ground in this country. So ultimately, all that can matter in that now is can you do your job effectively? Because if that's the case, there won't be a Hollywood. Well, let, let's be clear that 70 million Trump supporters are not all that far off the edge. You know, there's a lot Great of point. there's a Fantastic lot of them who point. who are just like, you know, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. I believe Trump is a better choice. And that's fine. You know, I, I mean, my thing is you guys have listened to me long enough to know that, uh, I, you know, politics has no place as far as like determining here's my political stance. How does that impact whether somebody can do their job well or not? You know, and and that's what it comes down to. If she doesn't want to wear masks, she supports Trump. She thinks there's a, a nationwide conspiracy to steal the election. That's her God-given right as an American to think that way. And, and you know, if she wants to do that, that's fine. As long as, like you're saying, Ray, she's not openly blatant about certain issues that are hot-button topics that are going to alienate the rest of the cast around her, cause difficulty in performing her job. Who gives a shit? You know, you say what you want, you know, go out there, do what you want. I mean, yeah, the mask wearing thing is controversial because you look at where we are now and everything's spiraling out of control. And it's like, you know, this one simple thing may be able to help. Um, so, yeah, I get that. But as long as <laughs> she's not, you know, hosting a super spreader fucking party at her house, then, you know, <laughs> all right. I, I mean, as, as if she can do her job right, then then, you know, let her have her political viewpoints. Not everybody's going to think the way we do. And that's that's what's always made the country great, is that not everybody is forced to think the same damn way. So have, let her have now, her opinions. Now, I'll say this. Um, if there are people who decide they don't want to watch the show anymore because of that, then that's yeah, their way yeah. Well, and, and, and that would force the issue for Disney. Say, okay, look, this chick is alienating half of our fan base. That's a different yes. story. But I would say pe people are entitled to do that, though, because um, sure, sure. And I don't think it's going to come to that. I think that for the most part, most people are just going to be like, "Okay, Gina, please just don't say anything else." Okay. Um, we all have the ability to, to decide with our pockets. And, that yeah, is and, and, the beauty of a capitalistic society. One of honey, one honey. of the few beauties of, of. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, finish your thought. Sorry. No, I was, I was just saying that while capitalism has its very high highs and its very low lows, one of the beauties of capitalism is you make decisions with your pocket. So if something bothers you and you don't support it financially anymore, it is forced to change. Look at, look at, the, look at the, the throes of history. All the changes don't come because a revolution happens. The revolution has to be funded some form or fashion. Or, so if it's yeah. that big of a problem... If you, you if Gina Carano and her opinions are that big of a problem to the viewers of The Mandalorian, stop watching the show. She'll be gone. Yeah, look at something we all deal with. WWE, right? How many people have said that shit for years? I hate this. Then stop watching it. But as long as you keep plugging money into it, lining in Vince's pockets, how do you think it's ever going to change? It's never going to change. Never. You're right. That's the same yep. same analogy. Yeah, Patrick, are you? Before you keep going, let me just jump in real quick and say a little, little sidestep as far as talking politics. It seemed like 
this election and maybe moving forward, depending on what kind of candidates are put in front of you, it, maybe it is time for that ultimate change where it's not a, just a two-party election. There were no other choice. What if some legitimate third party comes along that weaves the right values from each side into everything and can really help America move forward in, in how we want our country to be seen, not how like it, we're seen on the outside. It, like we're, we're vilified as horrible people a lot of the times that can't get our shit together, right? And it's clearly evident by what's happening right now. I mean, there was just a shooting at a mall five minutes from my house over the weekend. And one of my best friend's wives works there. When I seen that uh, an hour after it happened, I literally had to text him and say, hey, is she okay? Oh, well, she worked at night that night and got the call that she didn't have to come in. So luckily she didn't work there during the day, right? So I I just just want to get that out there and say that, you know, it's time for a change is right. For a lot of things and maybe in politics the the two-party system needs to change as well all you need is Dwayne think, johnson uh, to run independent and that would solve that problem real quick well it was a problem because of the money that's the problem is just independents don't have money so there's a there's Hold a it. lot to that um and money does play a big factor in it rob last thought and then i'm gonna move on okay uh well just trust me i uh no, I, could, I could i could do a whole hour of political podcast um <laughs> but but um i just think in this case yeah i think it's i don't you know as less like i said long as she, she doesn't get too crazy with some with stuff i think you know she'll survive this and because look we all and, and the other thing is we all we're all inconsistent as hell as how as far as how we police this kind of stuff i mean we we pick and choose like when we're going to give a pass to somebody and when we don't. Um, I, think, I think it's so. interesting that she's been a part of this show for how long? And it, this isn't like some new political opinion, some new stance. Like it wasn't like last year when she was in season one, this didn't exist, right? Yeah. Like well, why, I mean, why today when it mattered? Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, so they probably knew when they hired her. She And like I said, she gets along with everybody there. So, like I said, unless there's some mass exodus of fans which i don't see happening because then i think it i don't think it's going to be a thing really right what i think is going to happen here uh actually what i think disney's play that's going to be interesting you guys talked about offshoot show offshoot shows one of the possible spinoffs that has been discussed was a vehicle following gina carano's character as a lead and so there was some speculation that the ending that we all talked about with the badge being left there was a potential for an impetus to go into another show. And so I think it could, Disney may have a decision to make as to whether they feel a vehicle led by Gina Carano could work and get the downloads on Disney Plus that they want. So that's going to put a bow on our discussion of The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 12. We're on to the back half, the home stretch of Season 2, starting next week with Episode 13. But I wanted to get into some news bits. I'm going to shake things up a little bit and go through a couple of quick ones that we've covered previously on this show. And so the order that I sent uh, Rob, Ray, and Dave, it's going to be a little bit different, but the news stories are the same. And the one I'm going to start with was a, was a rumor that came out that Deadpool 3 may be back on track, as it seems like we got a couple of writers that may have been hired by Disney. 
which I think is the is the the important part is that this isn't just Ryan Reynolds spouting out that we we may have a uh, we may have a writing team that this could be the real deal. So Deadpool three as part of the Disney family. Ooh. What do we think is gonna happen? <laughs> Patrick's just. Hey. Uh, I mean, why? You look. I mean, as long as you know. It, as long as they're staying true to Deadpool and they're not watering him down, and all indications are this will be R-rated, um, great. You know, you're, you're not. He's one of the most popular characters who wasn't part of the MCU, if not the most popular character, and I would dare say the most popular character not in the MCU. So yeah, it, it was inevitable that they're going to bring him in, and he may very well be the 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 impetus to get the mutants involved. And that's a lot of the speculation that his story is how you introduce the X-Men, and get some of these other characters. Here's the other thing I want to say about these writers. Um, so it's Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux, Logan, I can't pronounce their names. They are writers for a very popular television show currently, an animated television show that we've talked about as one that we've been advocated for. Y'all know what that is? My Little Pony? No. I, no. It's Bob's Burgers, <laughs> right? <laughs> Bob's Burgers. Yeah, these are the writers behind Bob's Burgers. So I'm not particularly concerned <laughs> about whether or not the content will be Deadpool friendly. Notice I didn't say family friendly. I said Deadpool friendly. I think I think if you've watched Bob's Burgers, you know that the content will be fine. It's Will Disney let him do it. I think um, go ahead, Rick. Um I'm just j- jumping in real quick. If keeping up with the merger and the initial talks and that really big um, uh, call they had when they announced all the Phase Four at Comic Con, like a lot of the talk has been that not only are they willing and happily ready to let Deadpool uh, come and be Deadpool, but that that was one of the biggest, excite, most exciting things that they wanted to bring over first. And that's why Deadpool was one of the first movies that they were talking about from the Fox merger that they were going to almost rush to get moved because they are going to print money with that with that franchise. And the only way you print money with that franchise is if it's rated R. It's one of the rare it's one of the rare franchises that needs to be more lewd to make more money because if you almost water it down, it will make less money as weird as that sounds. Yeah, to, pr- um, pr- to prove your point, Ray, when they did Deadpool two and they did it PG 13, it bombed. Remember they brought absolutely. that out and they brought that out. They watered it down. They tried to throw it out there. It, it just didn't work, you know, because I mean, anybody who's read a Deadpool comic knows that he's the Merc with a mouth for a reason. And, and, and the Deadpool movies have done a phenomenal job of mirroring the better Deadpool comics, which is why they work and, and resonate so loudly with the fans. So yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. If you water it down, people aren't going to accept it. They're going to revolt. And they're going to say, this isn't my Deadpool. So oh, yeah. And... Go ahead. No, 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 what I think will happen is, you know, for his own movie, you can, I mean, you can stay true to how the character usually works. Now, when they, when they inevitably slide him into one of the you know MCU movies, it will be PG thirteen. Like they're not going to have him. In yeah, well, yeah, sure. They're not going to have him in there with you know the guardians dropping f bombs and everything. Right? You know that's not going to happen. So what they're going to do is they're going to make fun of the fact that it's PG thirteen. Like that'll oh, be what. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll find some metal way to, you know, point out that he's not saying all the stuff he usually says and all that kind of thing. The initial rumor was that the, the first appearance of Deadpool was going to be in Spider-Man 3. I, I don't see that happening. I don't see it either now with the way things turned at the Far From Home, but that was the initial rumor. And, and again, I doubt it too. Um, but my final thoughts on this whole process is I don't think we've seen a comic book character other than maybe Downey who has such a handle on his character as Ryan Reynolds has Deadpool. So I don't I don't have any concerns about where this goes because he truly seems to understand what not only Deadpool should be, but what Deadpool fans want it to be. So like that's a that's a very strong level of trust for a character to have. Not a company, but a character. Yeah. Right. I think there's here's the thing is with anything else, there this is all in the rumor phase right now. We'll see what really, really happens. Uh, grains of salt, pinches of salt, truckloads of salt as to whether or not this actually comes to fruition. I just think it's a fun little rumor, and I think that we all agree Deadpool will be back and will be a part of the NCU. 2027. The other big big story that I want to talk about, and then we'll take a break, is the Black Panther 2 news that dropped this week that shooting is going to begin this summer. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because we did a whole episode back when Chadwick passed about what's going to happen next. And what we have, what we do know is that Letitia Wright will, will, will take on an expanded role within this movie, but it's unclear still, and probably will be right up until we get our first trailers. It's unclear still what's going to happen with T'Challa. And I say with T'Challa because he could be dead or he could be recast. And my question to this group, now that we've had some time away from Chadwick Boseman and his passing, and it hasn't been a long time, can the role of T'Challa be recast? No, no, no. I agree with Ray. No. I I, I used to to be in the no category, but now I've flipped. I think yes, hmm. you can. What made you flip? I just time passing, and I mean, T'Challa is too big of a character to just just say, "Okay, he's gone." And and look, at some point, like all of these folks are going to be recast at some point in the future, you know, because you know they're they're not going to do, you know, they're they're not going to get to a certain point and just say, "Okay, we made all these movies, we're done." And um, I mean, it's a, look. I mean, the circumstances are unfortunate as hell, but I don't. I think you know they they've done enough building up of the character to just say, okay, he's not here no more. And I think as like the time has passed. Look, when 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 he first when we first got news, of course everybody was like, hell no, you know, uh, uh, just leave the character be. That's it. Um, but. No, and, and you know it matters who they get to do it. Um, and actually, I do have a name in mind already that if they want to go with him, I think it would work. Please enlighten us, Rob. Uh, John David Washington, Denzel's son. That's a great name. You, you could slide. I think. I think he could do it. That's a great name. I just. Yeah. I think if we're. Would, I mean, 
if we're talking recasting, the dude's been dead for less than six months. Right. So, and and this isn't just a, oh, you know, somebody died. The dude was a real-life superhero. He was more of a superhero in his real life than he was on TV, on the screen, right? Um, so if we're talking recasting, uh, 10 years down the line, sure. Five years? Maybe. But, like, when are they filming, Pat? They're allegedly going to start filming on July 2021. In July 2021. It's not even a year since homie died. Like, I don't know, man. So does recasting Chadwick Boseman, or recasting T'Challa, not recasting Chadwick Boseman, does recasting T'Challa diminish Chadwick Boseman's legacy in any way? I think so. No. No. I... I think so. Let me tell you why I think so. And forgive me because oh yeah, on the show you, the, we the tag team is broken up. Well, look, I I just I just kicked Rob through the the barbershop window. Uh, <laughs> wow, he jaded you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you know my Michael's mark. Um, the reason I say that it will, the reason that I say it will absolutely diminish his diminish his legacy. Is because the legacy of T'Challa, we are we, we can't just look at T'Challa as just a regular MCU character. What T'Challa represented, what Black Panther represented, what Chadwick Boseman, Ryan Coogler, and that entire operation represented was something that was at the biggest thing to ever happen to black cinema, black entertainment, to, to black culture ever. Yeah. Ever. And this is this that's um, that's not a, that's not an exaggeration. Ever. Right? This movie was 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 written was written by was um, directed by was fully staffed by it was overwhelmingly African American. In fact, to go even deeper, it was overwhelmingly African. Right? This movie they they showed this movie in Abu Dhabi. They showed this movie in Saudi Arabia. They showed this movie in China. This movie still made over a billion dollars. And it's all off the backs, not of the T'Challa character, but of what Chadwick Boseman represented as a human being and brought to the character of T'Challa. Not too, not too dissimilar from what Robert Downey Jr. brought to the initial Iron Man that started all this shit. So yes, I think it does diminish his legacy because ultimately they've got it's gotten to the point where you cannot separate the two. And I know that's 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 not that's that may be made diminish his legacy more than anything, that you can't separate him from that character anymore because they're so intertwined. But I think that everything that he's done, everything he stood for, everything he believed in, everything he fought for, everything he was working towards, everything he wanted to be in life revolved around what Black Panther did for people. And then just say, all right, cool, man. Thanks for happening. Thanks for what you did. You get a star. You're dead now. We got to keep this money train rolling. I just think that is so, such a disservice to what that man fought for. Fought all these years with pancreatic cancer, not telling a soul, just so that we could live vicariously through what he gave us. That little kids can say, you know what? I believe in that. You know what? I never thought that, that you know, I. it's the same Obama thing. Well, you know, I can't be that. There's no way. Well, you saw it. Well, I can't be a superhero. You saw it. Well, I can't be a black man um, in in a major studio movie making a billion dollars. You saw it. Everything he did, 
everything he did. This doesn't happen without Chadwick. No other star could have led that movie but Chadwick. Ray, can I ask you something? Because I'm a 51-year-old white guy, so I want to ask you and Rob, because you guys can relate on a much different level. than I. What you talk about makes a lot of sense. Chadwick had a tremendous passion. That passion that he had for the Black Panther character in that franchise do you think that he would want that to have died with him or would he want somebody to pick up the mantle and run with that and further the legacy he began you know he started answer, this whole thing i want to answer real quick because i want to give rob an ample time to, re- to respond i think controversially enough no the reason i say that is if he wanted it to carry on he would have told somebody he was sick he fought that cancer for four years if he he knew he had a cancer that was uncurable, pancreatic cancer has no cure. Well, he had colon pancreatic cancer, cancer, didn't he? Was it colon? I it thought, was colon well, cancer. One, was it? Stage four colon yeah. cancer, right? Well, stage at stage I mean, four. The, right. the, type, the type of cancer doesn't really matter here. They did, it. He he knew it was terminal, and it took him. Like that. By the way, that's peak bandwagon nerd right there. Well, it wasn't really this type of cancer. It was this cancer. And you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm going to get on my keyboard and swipe and make fun of you. I'm not making fun of Ray at all. But I, I'm saying we don't, know if, we don't know if Chadwick left something behind. You know, maybe he knew and maybe he left a contingency plan behind. We don't know. That's fair. That's fair. From what we know now, it seemed like he did it. And if he did, I completely would come on this show and say, be very happy to say I was wrong. But yeah. right now, it doesn't seem like <laughs> it doesn't seem like he did. And so I feel like he knew. He's a smart enough person to know that if this, if I can't, if I want this to carry on with my character, I gotta let somebody know so there can be some contingencies. I'm Rob. I'm sorry, man. I'm. I uh, see Re- my time. Reverend Ray steps away from the pu- pulpit. Rob, last thoughts on this? You you had a you had a different take, so let's let's uh, let's hear it. Yeah, and now I do think also it is very possible that he saw this as you know a thing for him to to do with the time that he had, um, or that you know he saw this as a just uh, an opportunity or as something that he was just kind of destined to do, and that whether it was for ten years or two years that it was worth doing. And now I mean, cause I don't mean, I didn't know the guy personally. Um, I, I mean, it could go either way. Really. I could see where honestly he would have wanted it to carry on because it's not just his movie. There are so many other people from the director to the other cast members, to the costume designer to, like I said, like Ray was saying that the, the entire movie crew was black, right? And people who, and, you know, the, the vast majority of the cast members. And so it's not just him. It's all of those people also. So, I mean, it is very possible that he would have wanted it to carry on for all of them because, I mean, he was that selfless of a person. So, and, you know, to me, ultimately, it matters you know, I mean, they have to pick the right person and that person has to be able to, you know, ingratiate himself with everybody there. You know, I mean, they can't just pick, you know, some, you know, well, let's just pick a black actor and throw him in there. No, it can't be that. 
Right. right. It, it's, I, think, I think that's a real challenge that on the other end is that you have a le- like if you cast somebody new in that role, that legacy, yeah. that's tough. Like you got you got to try to measure up to that. You can't try to be that, but you got to measure up. Yeah, I mean it's it's so I mean you have to pick the right person. I would say if if they, if they, now if they if they can't someone who they think is the right person, then then that, then you make a different decision. But I think you don't just disappear the whole character. Um, but then again, what we'll, we'll, like so, we'll see what happens with you know Tisha Wright. We'll see what happens because if you know the rumor is she'll have a bigger role. So right. and Shuri did become Black Panther in the comics for a time. So yep. um, it could very well. I mean, look, I mean, she could do it for the next movie, and then they recast later. Uh, I could, and you know, re. So when I say recast, I don't mean it, they don't. I'm not necessarily have to recast right now. You can have, you know, you can cook up some reason why T'Challa is not in the next movie, and then when you, and then when you're in a you know better position about recasting and moving on, and then you know, introduce the new person or whatever. Um, but I think ultimately, just in the big picture, I I am on board with recasting now. Yes. Patrick, can I give the lawyerly response to this whole thing? You can give a quick lawyerly response and then we need to go into a break. It, um, it depends. <laughs> There's your lawyerly <laughs> response. It really depends. You got to, you know, what they do with him. I think really right now it's hard. Like, cause yeah, Chadwick's just passed and we haven't had anything with Marvel for over a year. 2020 is going to be the first year. There's no Marvel movie since what? 2009. I mean, it's been over a decade or something like that. So, I mean, really, until they start putting out stuff like Black Widow and Shang-Chi and all that stuff and and see how people are reacting to Phase 4, it's going to be, I, I think it's kind of going to be difficult for them to decide, do we go in this direction where we make Shuri the Black Panther, or do we try and go like Rob's saying? Because I was solidly with Ray when you first asked that question, but listening to Rob, it's like, you know, maybe six months from now, I feel differently. You know, maybe I think Black Panther's too important of a character to not have T'Challa there. And I don't know. So that's why I'm saying it depends, which is, I know a bullshit response, but that's a lawyer for you. We'll, we'll have our answer in front of July, 2021. Cause if there's any sort of casting news that comes out, like, you know, that's going to be a huge deal. You know, it's going to swirl everywhere. It's going to be announced in a big deal. And then we'll be back on this show and we'll be reacting to it. So I don't feel like there's another topic we can go into in front of a break. So that's what we're going to do now is we're going to take our break right here. Before we do that, uh, it's time for me to remind you all to go out there, um, jump on the interwebs and go to pro forward slash the chair shot and help support the chair shot radio network and the chair by buying a shirt. These shirts are only 1999 or if you're feeling fancy, you can spend a few dollars more and get it soft style. We have all kinds of shirts available to you, whether it's shirts for the chair shot itself, whether it's a shirt for this show, Bandwagon Nerds, whether it's for our show with our friend DPP, the, the Winner Is You show. We've got hashtag save tag team wrestling, my personal favorite shirt, Jesus Did the Job, all kinds of great stuff out there. Hashtag journalism. Take some time. Take a look at our wares, help support the group. And this week, if I'm not mistaken, this week, because of the holiday week, there is a promo code available uh, 
Tony, I'm not sure. Do you know? Do we have a promo code this week for for ProWrestlingTees.com? It's turkey. Like Thanksgiving sale. It's turkey. Yeah. No, uh, I don't know. Really oh, you don't know? I was like, I'm pretty sure there is one this week for Thanksgiving. Actually, yeah, I'm uh, kidding. I do know it. I do know it. It's gravy. Okay, now okay. he's now he's I'm doubling down. Okay. Now I'm doubling up because he's he's messing with the set now. Anyway, make sure you listen to some of our other shows and get that promo code. But there definitely is one. There's every holiday week there's a there's a there's usually a promo code that can get you a little bit knocked off over at ProWrestlingTees.com. Now's the time to do it. Get get a gift for you know your favorite wrestling fan for Christmas. Makes great stocking stuffers, all kinds of good stuff. When we come back, we're going to talk a couple of other little news bits before we get into a big shakeup that happened almost a month ago now over on the comic side in DC. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. All right. Back. We are going to jump into a couple of other news items before we get into our big one. Dave, you talked about 2027. We finally have an official release date for Wonder Woman 1984. Where's and the live studio audience? Where's the applause? Ray, your your cards. Your cards, Ray. Oh, shit. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold Thunder, on. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, you know, that's what happens when you wake up 15 minutes before the show starts. Anyway, shade, I gotcha. That's why I'm the show. Anyway, yes, yeah, so it was announced this week. Patty Jenkins, Patty Jenkins put it out. Gal Gadot put it out. All kinds of folks announced it. This is coming out in a couple of different ways. It's actually going to release in theaters as well as on HBO Max on Christmas Day, December 25th. And here's... As we talk about the funeral mark of, of movie theaters, this is a pretty big nail in that coffin. Because if you have HBO Max, you already have paid for the movie. So you get to watch Wonder Woman 1984 on December 25th, just like PC Tunney, just like Patrick O'Dowd, just like Ray Cash, just like David Ungar. Ungar? Yes? You should now. Yeah. Was that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Was that confirmed though that it's part of your HBO Max? Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is. If yes. you have HBO Max, you get to watch Wonder Woman 1984 as part of your subscription at no additional cost. They Warner Brothers and HBO just told Disney to stick it. Yeah, because Soul comes out the same day, and it's and, a premium. Oh, wow. Is it a premium? Because I it's haven't heard if it's a premium or not. I think it's a premium. I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But I know it comes out. They're so, calling them the Christmas gifts for the pandemic. So okay. I, I don't. I don't think Soul is a premium. What okay. I do think is it, what I where I do think it puts them in a bad spot. And what I wanted to bring up here to this group is what does that do for Black Widow? Because now, if Disney releases Black Widow to Disney Plus as a premium content. Makes you pay 30 bucks. Warner Brothers 
and DC starting to look at least like the more fan friendly and not about the quote unquote money with it, with these releases. It's a PR. I think it's a great PR move for Warner Brothers, DC, and HBO. I think it's genius. I think it's perfect. Isn't HBO uh, Max more than Disney Plus? Right, but you don't have to pay an additional thirty dollars on top of your subscription. To right. Right, 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 right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm there's at least about. 10 to 20 different ways to get HBO Max without even paying for it. You know, if you direct TV subscribers, you got it. And, you know, that's, yeah, go ahead, Tony. I know you want to say something. Soul is free. And if you have like, if you have HBO subscription on your cable or satellite provider, you get HBO Max with that. Exactly. If you're, if, if you have Disney Plus, you should be, doing the, the the package because you're paying seven dollars already why not get espn plus and hulu for Same. like 11.99 i mean that's what i get, get if you get those and hbo max for 15 bucks you can basically cut cable yeah i got, I got all that so i mean as far as what this does for i mean i don't think disney's gonna i don't think disney's gonna alter course i mean they've got the date for black widow it's may 2021 if you get to may and they still can't put this back in theaters, then yeah, I think they pull the trigger and they go streaming on that. Um, you know, they're going to want to look, I think, you know, to me, Wonder Woman 1984 is more important than Mulan was simply because this is our audience. And so that I think they want to see what kind of reaction do we get? Do we see a surge in HBO Max subscription numbers, which I would expect so. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet money that that happens. Uh, and that would be a very good sign, you know, I mean, and, and that would say if you're a nerd bandwagon or otherwise out there, get word of mouth well, out to people if they haven't heard about this and get and your and ass we, there on Christmas Day. By the way, one of the other things we, we kind of run ran down the Mulan decision. Disney Plus's subscriptions went up yeah. when Mulan became available. It, so it, it did fine. On level, it worked and did well for them. What I think now makes this a tougher sell for Disney and Marvel is when this is a major deal, people. I think it's a really big deal that a, a tent pole summer movie is being released basically for 12, you know, for seven to twelve dollars if you have a subscription. I, I, I feel like this is a, a WWE Network esque move in that the brand is bigger than the movie. Because HBO Max, what they want to. Or, I don't, I don't know what I mean by that. Well, what I, well, what I, what I mean is, WWE sacrificed the pay per views for the good of their network, mm-hmm. and you know, because they changed their their model for the good of building up the network. Um, so I feel like HBO Max is saying, you know what, this movie will, will probably make nine hundred million to a billion dollars if we do, if we in a traditional sense. But since we can't have a traditional sense, let's sacrifice it for the good of the of the of the of our network of HBO Max because HBO Max did not have the biggest and the greatest rollout. Um, so I'm not saying it did bad, but it, it expected to do a lot more, and it, that it did. So with this movie being incentive to go ahead and to like, I've watched HBO Max maybe, and I, I, I subscribe to it, and I still watch HBO movies, but like. Other than regular HBO stuff, I've only really cared about two things they've put out, and that was The Witches and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Reunion. Like, they're not doing anything that's, like, pulling me 
to say, man, I got to watch this. Now I subscribe because I share an account. But like, other than that, like, what is it? What are they? What are they pulling me for? So, and I'm idiot that'll spend money just because I spend money. Somebody who really cares about their spending, this would say, man, I want to see this movie. Let me drop this 15 bucks. This 12 bucks, and right. that is going to offset the possible loss because they're building up their network. That makes sense. Now, Go ahead. Yeah. Bro. Now I think. Um, well, I think they they're playing a different game than Disney. I think. Like I said, uh, WB needs to juice subscriptions right now. And also, I think they're kind of more up against the clock to get this movie out there than Disney is with Marvel. I think, look, I think right now, I think Disney can wait. And like, like you said, if, if it's May and theaters are still just not happening, then yeah, they may go ahead and do that. Yeah. You know, and put it out on Disney Plus, but I don't think they're in any hurry right now. They they don't have the same sense of urgency, and because I mean, you know, like well, the, the the DC film situation is a lot more tenuous. So the, anything that might be considered a win, even if it's just I mean, as far as like from as far as people liking the movie, they need to keep getting stuff out there. Um, whereas. You know, DC and Marvel, they, they can wait. And I, think, I think I think they're going to wait until, like I said, and, 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 unless there comes a point next year sometime where theaters are just still not happening, then they'll go ahead and do it. But I think they can afford to wait. And, they, and plus, I mean, I think they'll sacrifice. They got other movies they can sacrifice. They got other things they can sacrifice and put on Disney Plus before they go to that, I think. Soul being one of them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair, and I, I like what you said about the lack of urgency. That there doesn't need to be urgency for Marvel. I think that's very much a, a very real uh, argument for why Marvel can wait and why Disney can wait and still try to to reap the money on that. Last topic before we get to our big topic that I wanted to talk about. I dropped this in the chat today, just before the show launched, uh, and that is that while. I'm willing to bet that the five of us will be tuned into the WWE Network tonight to watch Survivor Series and say goodbye to The Undertaker. Showtime is dropping a documentary today at nine, tonight at 9 p.m. about the life of the great John Belushi. And I happened to stumble upon this in a Yahoo article. Like, it was just one of those things, you know, how the algorithm's like, you might be interested in this. And I was like, Really? And based on what I've read about this, and I don't know if you guys had time to read the article because I, I did drop it late, but we're going to have, there's there's going to be interviews with Dan Aykroyd, John Landis, the late Carrie Fisher, a lot of people that were connected with his, lives, his life and are going to talk about both the good and the bad of what I would say, you know, we talk about people, who, people whose lives were snuffed out too quick or too early. Do we... We, as as fans of comedy, I think barely got what we could have gotten out of a John Belushi. And so I, I'm looking forward to this documentary. I happen to subscribe to Showtime, so I've got it set for my DVR to watch it. If you have Apple Plus TV, it's dropping on that streaming service. Speaking of a, a company that needs to juice some, uh, juice some subscriptions, that's one of them. But just... 
I posted this and I said this at the top of the show. I wanted I wanted to share this one less so about the story itself, but more to just talk about the artist and, and get some thoughts from you all around the room because this guy's, you know, Animal House, Saturday Night Live, um, the Blues, Blues Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. Those are big three, right? But yeah. just just some thoughts on, hey, on John. Nineteen forty one, Patrick. Come on, man. Nineteen forty one as well. But let's be realistic about what the big three are. You know what the big three are. You guys are all I, too I, young I, to remember him, aren't you? As no, in, I, I, no, I'm alive I'm when he was sick. So, so Rob's <laughs> almost there with me. But like, I watched like my favorite Saturday Night Live sketch of all time is the one where he is the he's operating like a a like a diner counter, and a guy comes in and he wants it's to order this. He's, like cheeseburger, cheeseburger, and like because the guy doesn't want a cheeseburger, but then he starts pointing like cheeseburger, 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 and then he's like, "I want a Pepsi," and he's like, "No Pepsi, Coke, or something like that." Like he just keeps going back and forth, and it's this whole deal, you know. And the other, and then him and the suicidal samurai committing Harry Carey on Saturday Night Live was just that he was such a genius, and he's one of those comedic minds that we lost so fast, just burned himself out so quickly. Yeah. Um... So I, I don't. I saw the Blues Brothers. That's really, really the most I saw of him, and, I, and I've seen clips and like Saturday Night Live stuff and whatnot. And actually, there's a little, there's a little something here. Um, from what I remember, he was supposed to be in Ghostbusters mm-hmm. when it was when it was being conceptualized. It was supposed to be him and not Bill Murray. And <laughs> Imagine John Belushi as Venkman, huh? Yeah, would have been and, a different win though. It would have been a completely different character, right? It would have been played a hundred percent different way. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. So I think him, I think his passing might have I don't know, maybe it threw off the production or something or other. But I remember hearing that he was supposed that was supposed to be him. And I mean it's yeah, because I don't I don't remember him as well as some of y'all do. I just I, I remember him finding out that he died. And at that point, you know, I was I didn't really know who he was at that point. But still, um you know, it's, I guess he's one of in the line of kind of Saturday Night Live folks who, were, who we lost way before we probably should have. Farley, Hartman, yeah, it's a bunch of them. Yeah. For me, it he reminds me. It's like he was the he was the window, the the look into the soul, the the foreshadowing of Chris Farley, if you will, mm-hmm. right? The mashed potatoes from Animal House, okay. Blues Brothers, there's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark out and wearing sunglasses. And he says, hit it. And, and then you got, you know, the bellhop or the, the check-in guy at the hotel with the samurai and the cheeseburger and everything else. And it's just, it's crazy. And then for me, I turn around and his brother is just so campy and corny from his fucking According to Jim series. But, you know, it's not horrible. Courtney Horn's... Uh, is it Courtney Horns Thorn Courtney Thorne Smith on there? Kevin Kevin Smith's wife is, is excellent. But yeah, man, the, the the comedy that he provided, if you go back and watch that old SNL, that's his gold, man. That's that's his gold right there. Um, um well, well let me let me speak as a young kid. Um a a big part of my ra- a big part of my being raised was by my grandparents. So Blues Brothers is a staple in my household. So first and foremost, if, if from nothing else, I knew him from that, and I had an affinity and an appreciation from him of him from that. But as I've gotten older, I've become a bit of an SNL nerd. 
And so I've gone back and watched some of the old SNLs. And two things I want to I can say about him that are that I think those of you who knew him well will agree is one, he was a comedic blur. He was like a like a like a like a I mean just a a, a it's like lightning almost in a bottle. But I think he was as sad as it sounds, strikingly honest in his comedy. And even if, even though a lot of his comedy was wild and outlandish, and he played that kind of frat boy, dubro ish, not not dubro like Will Ferrell, but like that kind of wild, I'm not fat, but I'm bigger kind of guy role, well, he still was, I think, strikingly honest. And I think you could see like a sadness in him, even while he was trying to make you laugh, almost akin to Robin Williams. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's one of the greats, man. And even Harley was, was, was like that. He was yes. com- he was the first comedic kamikaze. Beautifully yeah. said. Beautifully said. You know, yeah. he, it, we talked about you know ch- children of the '90s. Remember those Chris Farley movies? And again, Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live, and, and everybody knew that John Belushi was Farley's icon. Like John influenced Farley so heavily, and. You talked about a sadness in his comedy. One of the things that I remember reading out of that article I shared and what I'm I'm interested to see, but I'm a little scared to see, is that they talk about that. They talk about just how much he was struggling, particularly towards the end. And to draw the parallel from Farley, one of the most famous things that Chris Farley was ever quoted as saying is that, you know, he was always very self-conscious about himself. And thought that the only way he could gain acceptance was by being the pratfall. And he would say, people just want to see the fat man fall. And that was one of his that was one of his go-tos with physical comedy. And Belushi was very much a physical comedian as well. Like you want to talk about high energy, and there's a high intelligence to his comedy as well, especially his SNL stuff. But his movies and the things that you see in his movies, it's very much like these physical pratfall things that you know, kind of fall into a stereotype. And so, yeah, I think that's a very apt description. Dave, you haven't gotten a chance to talk yet. Why don't you, why don't you wrap us up on this one? I mean, a lot of it just mirrors what you guys all said. I mean, the, the performance in animal house was iconic. The stuff he did on SNL is iconic. I mean, the blues brothers, I, you know, I never loved that movie, but I, I appreciated what it was. Um, Shame. I just, Shame. I loved Animal House, love Animal House, but uh, Blues Brothers was was good, but just I mean Shame. I don't know. <laughs> um, but can like, I, can can the live audience boo Dave Ungar? Please, please go ahead. All right, I'm gonna boo you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something I'm working on. And I shouldn't because I don't know. It's it's a narrow chance, and then Dave can. <laughs> so I, I'm the heel this hey. week. You're the heel this week. Storyline change. I have Mark Metcalf connections, and I'm working on it. Oh, cool. But uh, I think like Ray po- brought up a good point, or you did, Patrick. I mean, uh, both you guys did. He was gone too quick. I mean, the sample size for what he did is, is small, but brilliant within that small window where you got to see just how good he was and, and what he could bring to the table. And yeah, we got robbed uh, of, of you know to seeing exactly the full extent of what he could do. And sure, like a lot of people back in the late seventies, early eighties, self-destructive behavior and, and, you know, was his demise. Um, so, but yeah, he's he a tremendous comic. It just, yeah, I wish, I wish we would have got more of him. Sure. All right. All right. 
so to end our show today, when I knew I was going to finally get Rob on here, I thought I'd let Rob pick our big topic. And so Spotlight is going to be on our guest today. But before we get into talking about, about this topic, the first thing I thought I'd do is, uh, you know, we haven't, we've all had an opportunity uh, to some extent, whether it's myself, Ray, Dave, even Tony, to kind of talk about where our nerddom lives, why we come on this show, what is it that interests us in this show. And so, Rob, to, to kick us all off, man, I just would love to hear your nerd story. What brings you to the bandwagon today? Well, all right. So let's go. Who's let, Let's let. Yeah. All right. So let, let's go all the way back to the late seventies. There was a there was a young boy living in New York who fell in love with the original Star Wars trilogy and the Adam West Batman TV show. That's what got me started. And one of the highlights of me of my fandom was. Actually, I met Adam West and Burt Ward at a convention a few years ago, and it was actually it was about a year or two before Adam West passed away. Oh, wow! And so that was, I mean, that, yeah, I mean that's you know that's like all time achievement for me as far as <laughs> meeting greets. So that uh, has been established. All right. Yes. So, and you know, Mark Hamill is the one. You know, that's the other one I want to get because. Look, my I was in my first two superheroes were Batman and Luke Skywalker. So hopefully we this COVID thing goes away and I can get to a convention somewhere and meet Mark Hamill. That's what I'm hoping for. So he I'm, I'm he's accessible to his fans. Mark Hamill loves interacting with his fans. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And uh so I'm a big, you know, I'm a big Star Wars nerd. I'm a big Batman nerd. So yeah, any, any, any you know shows like this where people talk about that stuff and they're not being assholes about it. Um, hundred for because look, there's one thing I hate. I cannot stand these, you know, jerks who make these two and three hour YouTube videos complaining about how this or that movie is terrible. Um, because I got uh, also Pat- no, hold on, Patrick. Let's get this out of the way, Rob. Yes. Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. What do you think? Okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. It's redeemable. It's not great. It's not bad. It's in the middle. It's not trash. No, it's, it's not trash. Thank you. It's trash. There you go. There you go, Pat. Thanks, uh, it's no Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> look, and, and now, look, now, now I'll admit, look, I, I'm 1,000% biased towards the original trilogy. Uh, to me, that that's always the best. Just didn't you know you you will never convince me otherwise. Um, as far as the Disney movies though, um, my favorite one is actually Solo. I, I can like I I can watch that just over and over again. It is just to me it is so e- it is just so easy to watch and it's just a for me it's just a joy to sit through every time. Underrated as hell. Yeah, yeah. we well established that on this show that yeah. this. It's an underrated show. I'm a little disappointed. I, I have yet, I, I have very few people outside of, I got to get Platt back on the show. Platt will get my back on Rise of Skywalker being trash. I know he agrees with me. I know that we're on the same page with that. He's, he's, it. he's, he's, he'll, he'll join the island. Now, I'll, I'll say this. They, they fumbled the ball with Finn. Absolutely. You know, and look, John Boy. I agree with that too. 
John Boyega, but John Boyega has every right to be disgruntled as he is about the way things turned out with that. Um, so, but I mean, overall, I mean, I say it's okay. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they, they kind of did what they needed to do. Um, back to that, but I mean, also, I think, it, but I think they fell victim to fantasy booking and trying to please too many people. I think so. Yeah, because like, like with Last Jedi was just the opposite. They Last Jedi, they, they said, "Screw your fantasy book, and we're going to do what the hell we want." And a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't like it because of that. Um, did, so I think. Did you like it, Rob? Did you like Last Jedi? Um. Okay, I think it was a, as far as a movie. I think it was very good. Let me hover uh, up, kick Rob out of the show button real quick. <laughs> I think, um, but but as a Star Wars fan, it's a tough watch because they just did so many things that you know um, were well. They, they they I think they they flipped over too many apple carts for me. See, but, that's what I love about that movie. See that that island but, that island that you're on, Patrick, is getting lonelier by the second every time Rob <laughs> talks. I know, right? It's it's all right. He's the guest, but. I, I will say it's it's not a bad. I think it's a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. But and I think if if it if it wasn't a Star Wars movie, if it was if it was just some other series and they did those things, I think it would it would feel a lot better. But because I mean I think a lot of the themes they had going on there I think were excellent really. And but it was just it, it was it was tough to see Luke go through that. And I, it was just it was just it was it was tough to get through wait you mean you but, didn't uh, enjoy seeing luke turn into like this whiny emo bitch of a character all of a sudden is that what you're saying rob it wasn't a whiny emo bitch of a character man stop it no, he, he it, ran it, away from the world for like a million years in star wars time with the guilt of dropping ray or not ray sorry dang it see you made me mess it up kylo ren on the world yes and so and so look i personally <laughs> look i thought that was a I thought it was well done. I thought, and I really do. I really, I think it was well done. I just, it hurt just for me to see Luke Skywalker like that. I mean, that's all. Where's DP ringing the bell when I need him? It is. <laughs> he, it's not on the show anymore. He, he big timed us. I don't know. Like whatever. Yeah. But I do. No, I do think it was, I think it was a good movie. It was just, it is hard to sit through. And by the way, I love DPP. I don't think he big timed us. Don't don't run with it. No, you had it right the first time, Pat. I'm already a certain whatever mystery talking about how he makes the show a week, couple days ago. Patrick, (laughs) DP and I have been friends for 25 years. We're best friends. We're more than brothers. Uh, There's no way he could possibly be offended by that being my friend that long. That's right, bandwagon nerds. The house that DPP built. That's that's what I called it the other day. Tearing him down on one episode, guesting on another show, being like, you're so great. We missed you. But this is about Rob, who is on this show. And Rob, I asked you to pick the topic, and you told me that you wanted to talk about the recent announcement that DC made uh, where they have named a new editor-in-chief. Woman who had been promoted to uh, editor-in-chief back in August, but they have made it official. Marie Javins is now the editor-in-chief of DC Comics. And so I'm again going to ask you to kick this off. For anybody who listens to the show and knows me, you know that 
of the two major comic companies, I follow DC far less than I follow Marvel. So I do think, yeah, I know, I know. Seeing thumbs down all around. Just back to back to Patrick O'Dowd and his island. But this is a pretty significant hire. Because this yeah. is, you know, and I think that I think that that anybody can look at this at its face value and say this is a pretty big deal. But why don't you start and just kind of kick us off? Like, why did you choose this uh, as our as our topic? This promotion of Marie Evans. Well, okay, I'm happy for Marie, but I'm gonna, let me warn you, I'm mainly taking this time to shoot on Dan Didio or Dido, whatever the hell his name is. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This this is more me being happy that he's gone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because look, um, he, he was terrible. All right, and he and he he had just terrible ideas. He, he was he hated the the con like the, the whole concept of sidekicks. He hated it. He wanted to kill Dick Grayson off for a really long time, and I guess you know they. We're able to stop him from doing that, but he wanted to, he wanted to kill off Dick Grayson, which is just insane because Dick Grayson is probably like one of the ten most like just universally well liked characters in the old DC universe. Like, like look, there are people who don't like Batman, there are people who don't like Superman, there are people who think Aquaman is a goof, right? I mean, but pretty much, if you're a DC Comics fan, almost everybody likes Dick Grayson, and he wanted to kill off Dick Grayson. Because he doesn't like sidekicks. Okay. And, and he was also had a hard rule about, you know, no characters getting married. And it, it just, so, you know, we he just had to sit there. Out a little bit. So, I mean, so, so basically we're sitting here waiting for Aquaman and Mera and they never get married. There's never anything with, you know, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle should have been gotten together. And then we had that whole farce of a storyline leading up to what supposed to be their wedding and then she I mean, don't showed yeah yeah i mean yeah they gave us a dusty finish on the wedding i mean um and that's dan and then also more recently you know alfred got killed off and it mm -hmm. was supposed to be tom king the guy who was writing batman he came out and said later that you know that he didn't intend for it to be permanent he just intended it to be one of those comic book deaths right where you know, where it didn't really happen after all or whatever. And Dan was like, no, just go ahead and kill him. And, you know, I just, there are so many things that could have been, that could have represented progress in storytelling. Like, like, you know, Bruce Wayne being married to Selena Kyle is a big jump in storytelling that we could have really used. Um, and, but because he was Mr. They shouldn't get married. Cause in his own words, he saw superheroes getting married as kind of, like an end to the story, like they like as if there was nothing else to to do after that. Um, so I'm really glad that he's gone because he was holding back progress in a major way. And, and I mean, the other thing is, you know, while he was there, um, he, you know, I think, well, it was under his being in charge that things got way too Batman heavy. And look, Batman's my favorite character, but I mean, they got to the point where they do like way too much Batman stuff to the detriment of other characters. And that was under his being in charge. And also in, you know, you know, in this meet, you know, the me too era, he harbored a whole lot of 
sexual harassers. <laughs> okay. Um, there. I mean, just some really bad stuff. So I'm glad he's gone. And mm. so I, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And I'm hoping for just some more, you know, progressive steps being taken with characters and storytelling stuff that he was just deliberately holding back because he didn't believe in it. And so I'm, that's why I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that this is just the beginning of that because I mean, I, you want, look, you don't want DC to be exactly like Marvel and, but sometimes they try a little too hard to be different. And sometimes they go a little too far into the kind of, darker tones and all of that stuff and not that not, you can't have any of that but like all this stuff with the, the death metal and all that i mean it's like this is just doing too much for me and so you didn't like the metal series um see, I, well, I, well what happened okay so i got i got the whole first one and so i was like okay this is cool but then when they announced they're doing another one i was like okay we that to me that wasn't the kind of thing where it's like okay well that wasn't the kind of thing to me where you need to go back and do a sequel. I mean, yeah, you know, I thought the first. You keep me. What, what's, first, what's death metal? So um, D- it, DC had a big thing where they it was like one of their. So they went from Rebirth to Doomsday Clock, and then the other thing was metal. Where I, I, I can't explain it because I didn't read all of it because I didn't enjoy it. Dave, I know I thought you liked it because I know you've mentioned it to me a couple times before. Yeah. But this is what led to the Batman, the evil Batman who laughs. And I hate that character. I absolutely can't stand. It. I can't. I cannot stand the Batman who laughs. And they're just trying to do some different stuff. Uh, you know, and and I didn't have a problem with it. I I thought it was a it was a good read. You know, Joker and and his many incarnations and that sort of thing going on, which was which was fun. Um, I think Doomsday Clock was better, and that's probably because you know you introduced the Watchmen characters into the DC Prime universe, which created some interesting situations. Ray, Ray was a failure to me, though. I know I, I I loved reading it once it all came out. It just took too damn long. Oh, yeah. Well, you well, know, you um, you promise it to be done within a four month span, and it takes a year and almost a month. Well, I read like, eight God, issues. God, Jeff Johns was doing like a million things at one time. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I'm, see, I'm hoping. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. Please forgive me. I'm just hoping that that, that this means we get some different stuff. I'm hoping that it means we get some, you know, big stories around characters other than Batman. Um, and I'm hoping that they, you know, actually progress some of these relationships you know, like they should have. Um, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Pat, could I ask Rob something here? I don't mean to jump in on you, but. Well, here, here's the thing is I'm taking a PC Tony role in this conversation because I know like I'm just not I'm just not equipped to to have this conversation of level that I think you can, <laughs> Mister DC comic reader. Well, it, Tuddy's, Tuddy's a, don't, he is what a does DC. That mean? Wait a minute, what does that mean? Like you said your role, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be very I, cool and respectful, and like I have our our boys and everything. We both run shows and stuff like that, and then he goes. Yeah, I don't know shit. So I, I mean, like PC Tony, you don't know shit. Boo your, boo so, yourself, you know, Tony. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going Patrick. <laughs> what I mean to say, I'm going to take it. I, I am, I am totally kidding. Keep going. No, I get Love it. You, I get it. 
Well, the question I had for Rob, and I know Ray and Tony as well, and Pat too, because I mean, you can even you can answer this as well, whether you read it or not. The rumor is that DC is going to do away with the one continuous universe sort of thing, and 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 not hold to that religiously like they have. Now they're going to do some other because this DC does this more than Marvel. They just reboot the shit out of everything, like on a damn near yearly basis. And the rumor is that now they're going to get rid of the one continuity sort of thing. And, and, you know, I don't know if that creates a situation where you've got nothing's canon anymore and you got multiple things going on. I don't know if you guys heard the same thing, but if they're going to go in that direction, what do you guys think of that? Um, well, like the DC's continuity has always been all over the map. And well, I think that, well, they got, they kind of boxed themselves into a corner with the new 52 stuff because they made some stark changes that a lot of people didn't like. So now they're kind of they're in that. So basically, what they've ever since then they've been in this position where they're trying to restore the stuff that they changed that people didn't like. Well, the stuff changed. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, but I guess look, if, if I was in charge, I would have, you know, I, I would have kind of a just. I would have at least one continuity where people got older and passed on the mantle and that kind of thing, you know, on a more permanent basis. That's, I mean, I would have like one continuity like that at least. And then, then whatever, like kind of the quote unquote current continuity is, I mean, yeah, you're always rebooting and reshuffling because, you know, you got to have, you know, the, the characters stay within the same age and perpetuity, you know, I mean, just, just how comic books work because, you know, within 10, 20 years, there's another batch of kids reading these books. Right. So, Right. But you know, I, I don't. I mean, it's just like doing doing what they did with New Fifty Two. It just it pissed off so many people that they got backed into a corner, and they've been trying. You know, like they've been trying to fix that ever since. Now, rebirth, the rebirth is a giant. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so now I'm one of those people. Now, see, I actually New Fifty Two is when I started reading regularly because. I mean, growing up, I didn't have a comic book store around me anywhere, and or and then for a while, you know, I just didn't have disposable income to do that. So by the time both little things kind of converged, was when New Fifty Two started. And that's when I started reading regularly. Yeah. So and, me, I really had a big problem. And New Fifty Two was but, the way the Justice League started was you know with the whole dark side invasion is really what people what i think turned so many people off against justice league in the movies is they wanted to see that story because a lot of people came in like you did rob with the new 52 and and they didn't get that and a lot of people felt cheated i felt cheated because i wanted to see dark side as well and they went in a completely mm-hmm. different direction because well, i think well and then but now i mean i have a whole lot of the pre new 52 stuff here at home and I can, you know, I see why people love that stuff so much because, like, Blackest Night is probably like my favorite. Fantastic, it's fantastic. You know, I got, I got all volumes of it in, you know, paperback here, and I, you know, so I can, I mean, I can see why some people were upset. I can see why some people didn't like some of the changes that they did. Like, super people were super pissed off that they put Superman and Wonder Woman together. Even now, me, I thought it was at least worth something experiment with i thought you know just to see how it would go but i mean like but i mean a lot of people in this facebook group i'm in were like super pissed off about that 
and you know, and they just didn't. They, they did. They did some. They did things that a lot of people just would not accept, and so they got back into a corner. And they've been trying to kind of fix that ever since. But then at the same time, I think like they've given a little too much leeway to look. As much as I love Scott Snyder Batman stuff, I think they they let him get a little you know a little too much kind of self indulgent with you know the death metal and all of that and, and you know I just and so I think I don't know, they they you know they they got they, well it's an ongoing project to get it to where it would be. Yeah, I guess kind of maximum popularity with everybody. So, well, D- Dave asked asked a question about the whole change, maybe of DC from being one continuous universe to a bunch of stuff that doesn't interconnect. DC Comics has been for a while hard for me to follow because of that very thought process. They've been like that as far as as far as I'm concerned, and. Maybe it's because I've been spoiled by Marvel. For example, Marvel just did a big story called Empire. And everything is interconnected. So you have the major Empire story. Then you have a Fantastic Four Empire story, separate but connected. And you have the Hulkling Empire story, separate but connected. And then you have this and that. And then it's all connected. And it's like 30-odd books all connected with the one Empire. Where with, with it with Nothing that the Justice League is doing in theirs story is interconnected with what the Batman's doing. And then the Batman story isn't even connected with the detective comics. You know, it's it's all so random. And That's it's always been hard. That's of DC comics all over again. I love this show. It's, no matter what, it just goes back to Marvel being better. Anyway. <laughs> well they it wasn't it wasn't but like it like what Ray's uh, saying, like with with Flashpoint Flashpoint had a lot of that stuff, Ray. It had a lot of the interconnectivity. And it's possible. Cannot let that slide. All right. Well, here's what I want to say uh, real quick, and then you can tear me down. I think it's a general problem with comics, both Marvel and DC in general, with the the concept of a universal continuity. And, And I see two different spectrums based on what, you know, based on what you just described there, Ray, with DC where there's these huge that are supposed to be like major continuity altering events that then don't have any fallout or any repercussions sort of outside some pockets or don't really connect as well or make sense versus Marvel. And my biggest problem with Marvel and has been for years is that they can't not have a big continuity shakeup story every six months. That's fair. Like, and that, yeah. and that to me is one of the other problems. If you're going to have a continuity that goes across all major comic book universes, you you have to. I'm trying to think of the best. You have to let it come down, and so yeah. and kind of let the and kind of let the heroes do their thing for a while. And what what really sort of made me weary of Marvel comics and. You know, I stopped. I stopped buying purchase, or I stopped purchasing comic books on the regular when I uh, when my son came along because we needed to make a decision financially. We had to, you know, digital comics weren't a thing really yet, so I had to cut out and I cut out all my subscriptions. But I was almost sort of thankful for it because there's so much that you would then tie up in money connecting to all these major events and tie-ins, and you had to read the outside event to 
see what was happening to the entire continuity, and then there'd be all the tie-in stories I, that would go with all these other things. I and, made that mistake in Civil War too. I bought every right? single book, and like so I was looking at hundreds of dollars, and I was like, "What is wrong with me?" And and with Marvel, <laughs> nothing's wrong with Marvel, you, Ray. You're a great man. When Marvel you, used to do like a singular event every couple years or so, like a Secret Wars, an Infinity War, uh, things like that. The, the the impact was there and it existed and it was huge, but then they let it then then like they let the new normal like live for a while. So you look at like post Secret Wars, it had long lasting effects on the continuity of of the Marvel universe, and even within that thread, you had Spider Man for example, who was directly impacted for a significant storyline, but it was his where he was dealing with a symbiote. And, and, you know, and eventually the creation of Venom. But they let that play out over time. And Marvel's kind of walked away from that. And it seems like as soon as they finish one major storyline, we're already talking about the next big thing that's going to shake up Marvel forever. And DC, I think, I don't think there's a problem with multiple continuities existing on their own. Because fans just want good stories, right? Like if the story is good and if the story is well told, you're going to read it. Right. I agree. But Rob hit a great, great point, particularly about Batman. If you go and read Batman right now, there is regular Batman comics. There is detective comics. There is the Batman who laughs because that's still a thing because that dude is still out there floating around. There is right now the three Jokers. That's a Batman story. Right. right. That's 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 separate on its own. Like there's like six Batman stories all together that has nothing to do with the Justice League. At some point, it's like, okay, well, how do I dive in if I don't know what to dive into? Because nothing connects. So it's like, for example, um, you spoke about how bad DC has been. Well, one of my favorite DC stories I've ever read recently has been the Batman White Knight story. That is one of my favorite Batman stories I have ever read. It's up there with the tippity top, top of Batman stories, in my opinion. I loved it, and I was able to 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 deal with it because I just delved into that story. I didn't read anything else Batman. But literally, literally, you have to pick and choose out of seven stories. Well, this is the Batman story I want to read because you can't keep up with all of them because it's seven different ones. And that's why I think they want yeah. to get away from the one continuity, Ray, because right. it's already going on anyway. So it's like, well, let's just create a multiverse model and just yeah. let it go. But I will say, in, de- in defense of DC, if you were to flip the script, like you've got fo- four or five different Spider-Man comics, like yeah. you've got Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, the but they're Spider-Man. all different Spider-Mans. It's not Peter Parker oh, every single one of them. Like, like they're they've had multiple Peter Parkers with different titles. Well, and let me they're ask different. you this though, because Pat, you make a good point. Multiple Spider-Man is DC going in the Marvel model? Marvel's very very multi multiverse faceted. More so than DC yeah, is. I, th- I think I think that with what you just described, it would make more sense to do that. And, and I think that you know, even with you know alternate universes and real, like people forget, Miles Morales wasn't a original Earth Earth. Uh, was it sixteen oh six or whatever? I can't always remember. Six one six. Six one six. Yeah, Marvel six one six. Like he wasn't a Marvel six one six character. Like he was an alternate universe Spider Man in the Ultimate Spider Man uh, comics. 
you know, you were talking about DC giving too much free reign. I remember a time in Marvel where you couldn't read a book that wasn't written by Brian Michael Bendis. That's fair. Like, that was just it. That's fair. That was fair. Every book. Well, you right. Every Chris Claremont before that. Like, you couldn't read an X-Men book without it being by Chris Claremont. So there's a lot of parallels between the companies. Uh, and the companies, you know, it's like two wrestling promotions. Like, they just trade talent, right? Outside of, like, the editorial board and that sort of thing. Like, they trade writers. They trade inkers, artists, all that stuff. They flip back and forth. It's it's insane. Um, you know, it does sound like... I think that comics in general need to clean up when it comes to continuity. What I think happens is, is that these companies can't get in their own way with letting too many stories take the four. Yeah, and... Um... And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's just a whole lot of that, and it's just again they 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 they, they both end up kind of just making things too convoluted, just with and uh, like I honestly, it'd, it'd really be better if I think in both cases if having just say okay, this continuity is for people who who liked you know things being done this way, and, and then because I know a lot of people, a lot of people. Uh, would have been happy if DC just stuck with the kind of free pre flashpoint continuity. I mean, a lot of people were really happy. A lot of people were really happy with that, and they could probably just go, you know, have one line that sticks with that, and a lot of people would be happy with that. Uh, and then you could have another line where they've added in, you know, with some of the new characters they've added in over time, you know, in the past ten years. We incorporate a lot of those, like uh, you know Duke Thomas, and well, a lot of, like there's a whole bunch of new Batman sidekicks. Duke Thomas, yeah. um, Luke Fox, Luke Fox, yep. and um, was I think it was a Bluebird. I think that's her name. Uh, Bluebird, yeah, yeah. So, and those are all really cool characters. So, you know, I don't think like, to me, you know, you don't dump them in the name of going back to the continuity that a whole lot of other people used to be happy with, right? And you don't dump the black Wally West, you know, that exists now alongside the original Wally West. You don't dump him in the name of restoring the old continuity that everybody used to like. So I mean, I think you keep, you should keep those people around, but there are a whole lot of people who really just want that old pre flashpoint continuity to come back. So, I mean, to me, I think you, you could do that and then have a more current one also. I mean, I, I think people, I think that would work. Because right now they're they're still trying to serve everybody in the same kind of continuity, and it's the result is that like everybody had points to be. So it seems both companies struggle under the weight of their own legacy at times. And, oh, absolutely, and that's a big that's a big issue for them. Yeah, yeah I mean, and then and the other thing that's going on now is just, I mean, the audience is. Well, the audience has always been diverse. It's just now that the companies are more cognizant of how diverse the audience is now. So in trying to incorporate more diverse characters, more diverse creative people and whatnot, you're running into a lot of the old audience who maybe isn't quite as progressive thinking and they and that's where you start hearing stuff like forced diversity and whatnot. I mean, uh, from people. So that's, that's another struggle. I mean, and 
Honestly, that's, I mean, like, well, wrestling is going through the same problem is, you know, there's a diverse, there's a diversifying audience that wants to be served. And then there's an old audience that isn't as diverse and isn't as progressive and they don't want to have that force. And so as you see it, you know, you see, you see that affecting wrestling booking and you, and it affects comic book stuff also. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the two as far as like issues they have with customers. And unfortunately, we can't solve all of DC and Marvel's problems today. Um, I do think that's a good place to put a bow. I know. We're going to put a bow on this conversation, though, as we're coming up on our two-hour mark. I want to get us out on time. But before we go, as always, Patrick O'Dowd has a question. We are coming upon Thanksgiving, and I'm going to... Hold on. Hold on. Hold up. Tony, are you recording this? I'm recording it. I'm recording the show, too. I, Are you it. okay? Because I, I just must have something. It just disconnected at some point. I it was going send, a while ago. I, I will send you the file. Okay. Or I will send you a file. Look at look at Pat being prepared. I did this on the low key too. I wasn't going to tell you guys. I was just trying to test out voice meter and see how it worked for me today. So all right. Um, so back to back to our thoughts. Uh, we'll fix that in post production, or we'll leave it in. Who cares? We're a podcast. Everybody listens to us anyway. So. As we do, Rob, I think you know this, we end every show with Patrick O'Dowd has a question. This week, the holiday season is upon us. Thanksgiving is coming up this Thursday. And I got to tell you guys, it is my, like, I'm a Christmas guy. Like, I love Christmas. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, though, because I love food. And I love football. And I love food with football. And so I am all about sitting down watching some this year it's going to be some pro football college basketball starts this wednesday so and the university of illinois my school they have three games starting on wednesday they have a lot of high expectations this year they are the number eight ranked team in the country i'm very excited to check them out Uh, but you know i heard other shows you know they kind of go around and are like what's your favorite thanksgiving meal thing food item we ain't going to do that uh I don't care if it's a Thanksgiving tradition, but what I want to hear is a holiday tradition from each of you. And I'll go first. Uh, For Thanksgiving, our holiday tradition, we name the turkey every year. We we have a list of names. There are rules that come along with these names. We have to choose either sort of a quote-unquote exotic name or a old-timey name. So, for example, the first turkey ever was named Chester. Uh, This year, we went French. Uh, his name is Francois, Francois, oh Francois <laughs> Pecky Quinn. Pecky named by the little O'Dowd, so he's got a nickname. Very, very nice. was very, very excited to do that. Uh, and we do this every year. And the only year we have not named a turkey since 2007 was last year when we skipped Thanksgiving dinner because the next day we left on our trip to Disney World and we had surprised the little O'Dowd about it for, for a, an early Christmas present. So... Uh, the other rules are it can't be the name of somebody in our fam, like in our immediate family. Like I can't name a turkey Rick because that's my dad's name. Shout out to Rick, not O'Dowd, uh, or or something like that. Um, and generally they're old timey names. So like Chester, my favorite one of all time was we named one Aloysius, and I got to do a hashtag all throughout Thanksgiving where it was before, while he was in the oven. It was Aloysius will be delicious. And then it, and then when we were sitting down to eat him, eat him, it was hashtag Aloysius is delicious, 
And then after dinner, it was hashtag Aloysius was delicious. It was great. Loved it. So, as Ray kind of tries to compose himself, gentlemen. I love this shit. This shit what, is hilarious what is What is a unique off the wall or even just any old holiday tradition that you have I'd prefer it to be around Thanksgiving, but I'd understand if you don't, if you're not as weird as me and don't name the turkey. So, Tony has got a finger up. You need some time to think about it, or you got one? No, I'll give everybody else some time to think about it. My Thanksgiving specifically tradition is to watch planes, trains, and automobiles, the greatest Thanksgiving movie of all time. Uh, My hands feel so warm between these two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Some uh, good foreshadowing there, huh, Patrick? It is. We're going to cover that in about a minute and a half after we get through with the questions. So that's what we call a tease in the business. What about you, Ray? What do you got? You got anything? Well, I I just want to shout out. I just want to shout out to, uh, what's his name? Francois? Francois. Thank you for, thank you for your sacrifice. Um, So I'm, I'm not the biggest Thanksgiving fan. I've had some, unfortunately really bad thanksgivings but the funniest thing to me about thanksgiving if if it's any tradition is by the time thanksgiving comes around we're basically done with dinner because <laughs> <laughs> we cook so early you know you know right. when black people cook we cook like we just you know you start cooking five o'clock in them like you know so my grandma's normally the main person that starts cooking and she starts she'll probably start cooking tomorrow and the shit's already done by like Tuesday, Wednesday. So by the time Thursday comes around, I'm sick of turkey. So that's always been the kind of the funny thing to me. By the time Thursday comes around, I'm going to get some takeout because it's like I've had enough of this. Cool. Um, yeah, but hey, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Thursday night. I'm in that thing. Let's go. That's gonna be a good game, David. Yes, sir. Uh, not so much Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I football. Of course, it's more like. Christmas story at Christmas. That's that's my big thing is watching the Christmas story marathon. Give me 24 hours of Ralphie shooting his damn eye out and I'm happy, you know. So uh that, good, that's that's my tra- I mean no. I'm Jewish. Like so it's I'm Jewish so it's not going to be a big Christmas tradition. <laughs> right. That sort of thing. Do you, do you do you have like a menorah on the top of the TV while you watch it or something maybe? No, I I I really don't. My daughter, we got a really nice one a couple years ago. She was going to like doing uh, Jewish studies at a local synagogue, which when you're talking Bakersfield, Jewish studies, local synagogue is almost oxymoronic to each other, but there are a couple. And so go. we got a nice menorah from there. Cool. What about you, Rob? You got any great uh, holiday traditions? Well, I actually have something new because uh, I'm going to have the kids for Thanksgiving this year. So my daughter and I are going to attempt to make macaroni and cheese. All scratch. right. Hey, that's the best kind of mac and cheese. I got to tell you, uh, I, I, my, and this is coming from a, a guy whose father works for Kraft and literally makes macaroni and cheese for a living. <laughs> it's a true story. So anyway, thank you guys for sharing some holiday traditions and fun. All the best. I hope you guys have great Thanksgivings, uh, whether you're celebrating at home with just your family or taking a risk, please don't take a risk and get out there. Or if you are, make sure you're in a good secure bubble. We're, you know, my family lives halfway across the country, so we'll be doing it virtually uh, through, through a Skype slash Zoom call ourselves. But wherever you are, chair shop family, have a, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving out there. All right. You too, Patrick. 
Thank you. Even it, a, even no matter what you think of Rise of Skywalker, have a great holiday. I might hey, burn this... my I might burn my Blu-ray in celebration. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you sounded so paternal, but then you just you killed it with with the burning of the Blu-ray. Dave so, started. Good try. Dave started. Burn the monastery. Dave started. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we go, let's do a quick once around. Tell everybody where they can find you. We're gonna start with our guest today, Rob. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and in the interwebs. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at r b o n n e one. I have a website, robsagenius.com. I have a podcast called the Rob the Genius Podcast, and you can also find me popping up on various ChairShot Radio Network podcasts and occasionally writing stuff for the ChairShot.com. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us and for being flexible with my schedule, man, because this was all about me having to, having to, to, I know I rescheduled you once and we kind of threw it out there like two months ago and I'm glad we finally got you on, man. So thank you for coming on the show today. Glad to be here and I look forward to coming back. All right, Mr. David Ungar, tell them where to find you. Uh, you can find me hanging out at PC Tunney's house trying on a hoodie. But uh, otherwise, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Tunney's, we're best friends. So, you know, you got you got to just keep that in mind. Ray Cash. His palms are sweaty. His knees weak. Arms are heavy. His vomit on his sweater are... You got the Eminem thing going, um, Tony. Y'all can't see this, but we're enjoying all of this. I am at It's Ray Cash on Twitter, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars, Outsider's Edge Podcast at Outsider's Edge CS, and uh, yeah, proud member of the Bandwagon Nerds family. PC Tony. The one thing I want to say is go and watch the Lego Star Wars yes. holiday special. It's yes. fucking phenomenal. Yes. It's yes. one of the best Star Wars storylines I've ever watched, to be honest with you. That's how much I really liked it. Um, you can find me under the hoodie, and you can find me at PC Tunny. Tunny Tunny. That should be your new Twitter. By Tunny. Or, oh no, that should be a that should be a, a PC Tunny limited series podcast under the hoodie. Book it. <laughs> All right. I love it. And I've already seen it. Like, sounds instead, sounds Patreon worthy to me. Patrick's got to be going five days a week now. Tony's OnlyFans account under the hoodie. Oh, can I subscribe now? Can I be a subscriber? (laughs) Ooh. There's where the ooh live studio audience should have been. And and if we do OnlyFans, we don't get fired from the chair shot. Oh, snap. We are not talking about that (laughs) controversy today. You can follow me. Thanks again to our live studio audience. You can follow me uh, on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to us every Monday. That's when the Bandwagon Nerds podcast drops on the ChairShot.com, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can also hear me every Wednesday as part of the DeGreg DeMarco Show where we talk some wrestling. This past week, we did talk about the Zelina Vega controversy and unionizing wrestlers, so good conversation. Take a moment to listen to that. Also, follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account at Bandwagon Nerds and jump on thechairshot.com and read the nerd review. That is a weekly review of a movie. This past week, Dave and I reviewed Big Hero 6. Uh, Great, great movie. Someday we're going to get Ray to write one and jump on this too. I was supposed to, but vacation. (laughs) 
but vacation. This, this was only our second yeah, unanimous movie. score. Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Like put that out there to review? He put it way it? over. He was so excited, <laughs> and then he didn't. I do think it. I'm, I, I think I feel like I'm painting myself into a corner right now. There you oh, go. Like God, I do have. God. I have a life outside of Bad Ragged Nerds. Like my bad. I'm sorry. I'll do better. I promise. That's not very nerd like, man. This but anyway, <laughs> this week, of course, PC Tony already mentioned it. How could we not put out a Bandwagons Nerds nerd review of the greatest Thanksgiving movie of all time? This week, we are going to review the classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, John Candy, Steve Martin. Great, great movie. I look forward to rewatching that and doing a little writing about it. And I'm sure Dave does too. Just a classic was part of one of our eighties project lists. I know for a fact. So I know it will get high rankings from us. We've only had one mutual 5.0 review. I don't know if it'll go that far, but it'll be highly ranked. We had a mutual 4.25 this week. We did. We matched up this week. So that was very exciting. The name's Del Griffin shower curtain ring salesman. That's right. That's right. Very, very quotable flick. All right. That's going to do it uh, this week for Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you again to Robert Bennett, who has disappeared from the screen. So he's off doing something. Oh, there he's picked it back up. There he is. Yeah. Uh, now get outside, <laughs> get some sun, find yourself a turkey, and don't panic with Christmas shopping. You've got plenty of time. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the Chairshot Media Group on thechairshot.com. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and Guess you really up shit creek. I beg your pardon. What did you say? I offered to help you. Mm-hmm. You refused to take our money. Mm-hmm. Then I said, I guess you really up shit creek. Ow! Christ, Jake, take it easy, man. Oh, Lord. Ow, shit. Jesus Christ. Ow. Jesus Christ. Ow. 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 Ow.
Jesus. disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. It saddens and hurts me that the two young men whom I raised to believe in the Ten Commandments have returned to me as two thieves with filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Get out and don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.